Chapter Sixteen of the Goddess of Atvatabar by William Richard Bradshaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nigel Fisher. The King unfolds the grandeur of Atvatabar. Your Majesty, I said, informs us that Atvatabar possesses science and art, invention and poetry. These matters interest us quite as much as your civil and military constitution. We will feel grateful if your majesty will inform us more particularly regarding the condition of those great forces for the development of the soul. You are right, said the king. The government and protection of society, although matters of the utmost importance, are always much inferior to the glory they defend. Mere police duties can never rank with the sovereignty of mind over matter. In other words, said I, the barricade is ever inferior to the palace, and the treasure-house to the heaps of gold within it. But, Your Majesty, in what way does mind triumph over matter in your realm? Well, said the King, we worship the human soul under a thousand forms, arranged in three great circles of deities. The first circle contains the gods of invention, that is, the practical forms by which ideas rule the physical world, and also the composite forms of the inventors themselves. The second circle contains the gods of art, and the third circle the spiritual gods of sorcery, magic, and love. What gods do you people of the outer world worship? In my own country, I replied, a great many people worship one god, the creator of the universe. Many of these only nominally worship god, but in reality worship gold, while a still greater number worship gold without pretense of worshipping anything else. Then, said the king, gold is your god. Our God is the aggregated universal human soul, worshipped under its various manifestations, both real and ideal. This universal human soul forms the one supreme God, Harikar, whom we worship in the person of a living woman, the supreme goddess Leone. The great generic symbol of our faith is a golden throne of the gods in Bormidophia, whereupon sits Leone, the supreme goddess, the representative of Harikar. Harikar is then your supreme deity, I remarked. Greatest, for he embraces all other gods, said the king. But the greatest individual god is the supreme goddess, the symbol of the holy soul. I felt a strange desire to learn everything about so singular a divinity as Leone. It was a weird, awful, yet terribly entrancing thought that amid a thousand gods of dead and silent gold, only one should be alive, and that one a beautiful woman. Was it possible that a live goddess could exist and be both young and handsome? I was anxious to ask a thousand questions concerning this mysterious being, but it seemed a sacrilege to ask them. Was it possible for her to continue worthy of worship, a human being, intoxicated as she must be by the ceaseless adoration of millions? In other words, can a woman be a veritable goddess and live? These ideas rushed through my soul like quicksilver. My brain reeled with this discovery of the secret of Atvatabar. What to me were its never-setting sun, its want of gravity, its flying whaleels and bocacids, its sculptured cities, its sacred locomotive, its miracles of mechanism and art, compared to a real live goddess with warm blood and a beating heart? No wonder the discovery thrilled me. I felt like embracing his majesty for the information, so simply given, that filled me with delight. My companions were all so greatly excited at the story of the king, and it was with difficulty I could appear interested in the further information he so graciously imparted to us. What were mines of gold to this? But I strove outwardly to appear calm. I felt I must listen further to the story of Atvatabar. Our other deities, continued the king, are the ideal inventors and their inventions. 
These give man empire over nature. All those who have given man power of flight, who multiply his power to run, those who multiply the power of the eye to see, the hand to labour or to smite, the voice or pen to transmit ideas great distances and to great multitudes, stand in the pantheon in ideal grandeur. There are the lords of labour, the deities of space and time. They are the gods that breathe the life into the unborn ideas, and lo, from brain and hand springs the creatures of their will. The officers and sailors were listening to the discourse of the king with rapt attention. We were anxious to learn as much as possible about this strange religion about that bar. We also worship art and ideal artists, continued the king, the soul developers, who work for noble and humane ideas expressed in their most beautiful garb, the builders of earthly palaces for the soul in literature, music, manners, painting, dancing, sculpture, decoration, tapestry and architecture, which are represented by ideal statues composed from groups of living artists. These, in their ideal or collective perfection, are the gods who counteract the evils of an arid and mechanical civilization by arousing feeling, imagination, truth, beauty, tenderness, patriotism and faith in the souls of their fellows. The spiritual forces are typified by a goddess, the incarnation of spirit power, of romantic ideal hopeless love. Her ministers are the priests of sorcery, necromancy, magic, theosophy, mesmerism, spiritualism and other kindred spiritual powers. These perform miracles, create matter and impart life to dead bodies. The souls of her priests and priestesses have the power to leave the body at will and to achieve a present nirvana of 100 years. End of chapter 16